Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Welcome to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan, and joining us today is the co-host, uh, Claire Ben Winkle of Rockaway Writers Workshop. Hello, good morning. Good morning, and our, featuring our guest, Finn Miller of Finn and his Rust Kickers. Hey, how are you? Happy Labor Day. Thank you. So Finn is Rust Kickers is a New York-based, earth-shattering, rock, punk, skrunk, country, ska, noise band. I love that. Featuring uh, members of Rag Sculpture and Pig Earth and the Skells. So that's a great uh, great uh, combination of genres. So that might be a good place to start <coughs> off with. And music and uh, the influences, the different genres that your band um, exemplifies. Well, you know, we all come from, uh, there's, there's four core members of the band and uh, some floating members and stuff like that. And when I say floating, I really mean floating in some cases. Um, but uh, we all come from very uh, different backgrounds, but we share a certain uh, common overlap of various musics. And uh, what that, I, I don't know, I guess I guess that, that uh, description could be... Uh, Sloppy punk. I don't know what it is, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we come from uh, some of us from very precise kind of music backgrounds, and and others from uh, messier. But messier seems to be the overlap. I got to tell you, yeah, okay. we're a messy bunch. Can I ask you, um, as a writer, something that my students often ask me is, oh, what genre is this? Is this a poem? Is this a story? How important do you think it is to differentiate genre? And is there a difference in differentiating genre when you're a student learning versus when you're a musician playing? Well, uh, that's that's a good question Uh, to understand. Well, I think it's like it's like anything. It's like if you're a painter. You want to um, uh, study the history, study study the styles, study all those different things, master some techniques before you find your own. And um, I, I think that uh, in music, I mean, I worked in record stores when I was a kid, and uh, genre the genre category of what's what, and so specific in some cases, always really annoyed me. I like the miscellaneous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Miscellaneous is an excellent, uh, my, one of my favorite categories. Unfortunately, I think uh, sound effects usually wind up in that in a record store. <laughs> but um, but uh, I think everything's miscellaneous. I, I, uh, I, uh, we just we jump across genres all the time. We, we, we'll play a jazz song our own way. We'll play you know, a, a standard our own way. We'll play punk songs our own way. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think that that melding of uh, that, that uh, breaking down of the barriers between the genres, what's considered the genre is, is really crucial. What about in your own um, training and your own uh, growing up? Uh, what kind of music did you listen to and what was kind of the evolution of your own musical background? Well, we were just discussing some of this uh, um, the other day, actually, with a couple of friends. And... Uh, for my for my uh, eighth birthday, and I'm I'm 57 years old, so I'm a lot older than most of your listeners here, but maybe not for this time of day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, for my eighth birthday, I took my birthday money and I bought two albums, and uh, the first albums I bought, and and when I say albums, I mean vinyl records, you know, and uh, the two records, the record I went to buy was Sgt. Pepper, which was a couple of years old at that point. But, you know, I'm a little kid and it was on the radio all the time and that's what I purchased. Then I had some extra money, an extra three bucks or so. That's how much music was then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I bought a record in the local store. Uh, When I say it wasn't even a record store, it was like a 
like a Kmart kind of a place. It was a place called Billy Blake's out on Long Island, which was a chain which some of your listeners may be aware of. It was sort of like an everything kind of a store, but it had a record section. And I'm thumbing through, and, and of course, I, I, I found the record with a nice yellow banana on the cover. <laughs> and that was uh, a mono version, which I had no idea what that meant, of course, at the time, of the Velvet Underground's first album. And um, so I hated the Velvet Underground record when I first put it on. I remember that distinctly because I put it on first when I came home. And I loved the Beatles record, obviously. And it took me a few years to love the Velvet Underground's record, Velvet mm-hmm. Underground record. So um, I was listening to a very wide variety of musics, very young. Um, uh, everything from, uh, I mean, you know, D- Dylan was ubiquitous at the time, uh, everything on the radio. Uh, but I would say that I, I opened up very early in my teen years to tons of world music. Tons of jazz, tons of political music, tons of uh, everything from folk to punk, eventually. Yeah. Uh, and in my teen years, I would say, you know, uh, teenager, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cliche into a certain point where I was listening to, let's say, some Led Zeppelin, things like mm. that. But uh, as soon as the punk revolution arrived, I was hooked. And I was hooked to that creative... Uh, urge that creative edge and it wasn't so much the sound i mean it was the sound but it was more like these guys can just do this yeah yeah that was the attitude it's interesting when we think about what i'm getting from what you're saying is what we're drawn for we're drawn to in through love and also what we're repelled through through hate you know it's (laughs) interesting like things that it just a strong bond it creates a strong bond between us and that music, you know, something that you don't like, something that you really like. You know? Sure. Yeah. As I just said, I still, you know, I still have that, uh, you know, we all have our ties to our teenage music. So, I mean, on my, on my, uh, you know, I mean, I'll still listen to Led Zeppelin occasionally. Yeah. So, you know, even though I'm, it's sort of a, a guilty pleasure these days, if there's such a thing. So. So also music that we used to love that we grow to suddenly resent, you know, is there anything oh, like absolutely. that? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Sure. You know, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I listened to bands. I mean, uh, you uh, talk about spinoffs of, in the teenage years uh, from, like, let's say, listening to Led Zeppelin. You listen to bands like, uh, I don't know, uh, Blackmore's Rainbow or something like that, which is pretty much intolerable to me now. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. So uh, a whole not to, not to knock Richie Blackmore, <laughs> great guitar player. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things you, yes, you grow out of. Yeah, so to speak. But some some of those things that that uh, are similar to the things you grow out of, you're still tied to. Uh, but yeah, um, um, the Sex Pistols were a big thing for me. The Ramones were a huge thing for me. Um, uh, the New York Dolls, which I came to kind of backwards because um, they were a little before my time, um, were a huge thing for me. And uh yeah, so I, I latched onto this whole punk downtown New York City thing. I was coming to the city a lot when I was like uh, 15, uh, and I lived on Long Island at the time during my teenage years. I grew up in Brooklyn, but I, I lived on Long Island during my um, high school years, mm. and uh, I, I made it to the city every single time I could, went to places like CB's, went to Max's, played at CB's during in my 20s. Uh, uh, opening for the Ramones, for example. Yeah. So I uh, had a lot of lot of great experiences working with people I really admired. One thing I think that is really the enemy is apathy. You know, it seems like what else I'm getting at is this idea that music drives us to passions, drives us to emotions and strong emotions and that 
we want to kind of move away from this apathetic. It seems like culturally we're going towards this apathy and a, a sense of disconnection. Mm-hmm. Really improve that connection, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the that's the other thing is that you know I find a lot of people who are um, from well from any generation actually are very much uh, music doesn't doesn't uh, even though they say music moves them. I mean, I was in a place last night upstate New York uh, having some uh, dinner with some friends, and um, you know there's some there's a live band there, and they're 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 a little older than me. And if that's possible, and uh, they, um, they're you know they're like loving these songs, and they're saying that this band is playing, and the band was extremely good, but it was all there was nothing post let's say 1985 that this band was playing, and um, and they claimed you know personally they see themselves as very passionate about music, which is all wonderful and beautiful, but. Uh, it's like at a certain point they stopped really being passionate about new music. Mm. And I think that's something that emotionally, uh, I mean, I'm always excited about hearing new music. And I'm always excited by an artist that moves me, if it's from the past or the or current. And yeah. I try to stay, I, I personally am excited by new stuff, you know, yeah. and I think that brings out a lot of emotion too. Um, so in terms of being excited by music and music throughout your life, um, if you could talk a little bit about what some of your biggest challenges have been and how music has either helped you through it or inspired your own musical progression. Okay. Uh, well, um, I would say that I rely a lot on music personally. Uh, my two, two great artistic passions as far as being um, passive about them in terms of being an observer or a listener or a viewer or film, uh, and 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 music, and music more so, and uh, I would say that I I absolutely uh, rely on. You know, it's it's the old story. You come home and and you you know you've had a tough day at work or whatever the case is, and you put on something that that sounds supportive of your state. And, um, yeah, music music is a great tool for that, as is film. Are there any specific um, bands or songs or genres that you associate with particular periods of your life for what you've been working through, working toward? Well, I would say, uh, uh, well, it's more like artists. It's mm-hmm. not so much genres or, or types of music. But uh, some of the artists I just mentioned, anybody from, I mean, I'll listen to... Uh, uh, different periods of Dylan, for example, uh, mm-hmm. which I think still holds up fantastically. Uh, something from the Velvets, something from the Sex Pistols, but I'll, you know, uh, LCD Sound System. Uh, there's a million bands. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, the Flaming Lips are, are playing in, in New York soon mm-hmm. at Governor's Island. So I listen to a lot of them. I don't specific, yeah, it's, it's, music is, is a, is a comfort. But music is also a challenge. Mm. Uh, music is is something I like to be pushed by. I don't like to just be in a comfort zone. But the comfort zone factor does happen in life, mm. you know. Um, like when writing songs, for example, um, I don't ever think about genre or type of thing, but uh, or type of music. But uh, rather, everything's just on one palette, and that's how I think about when I listen to what I think about when I listen. 
And also with That's Dylan, right. it makes me think of the songs of protest and uh, the idea of uh, music being a place for um, social justice and, and protest. He does a lot of songs like that seem to be pushing that wave. And then I understand you did a um, a cover of the 1973 song "Impeach the President." That's which right. Have hold up fairly uh, uncannily well. Unfortunately, yeah. yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can do a 1973 cover, cover and it be completely yeah. contemporary. Yeah. yeah, it just seemed like it was coming out of this. Yeah, time, we love we yeah. love the funk too, and yeah. and uh, yeah, we 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 recently covered uh, "Impeach the President," which was on vinyl on a single. Um, uh, um, by uh, the Honey Drippers, which was a band in 1973 in the early 70s. Not the Honey Drippers with Robert Plant, but rather the Honey Drippers, uh, the funk band. And they did this fantastic song, which apparently is one of the most sampled songs in for hip-hop mm. because the drum the drums are sampled a lot on it. And our drummer, Alan, uh, just uh, completely uh, nailed it, so we didn't need to sample mm. it. But... Um, <laughs> But it was, um, we love the funk. We yeah. absolutely do. And we do a lot of that. And um, yeah, Impeach the President is a very simple song. And I would say a very simple message. And I stand by it. Yeah. And, the, and this B-side uh, has just uh, excerpts of dialogue from Trump with the, the music soundtrack. It's really just powerful to hear it in that context. Yeah, you know? thanks. And it's actually yeah. all outdated. You know, at the yeah. time we figured what else, could, what, what worse could he say? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'd love to update it, but it would yeah. be a constant thing. It would yeah. be every day. Yeah. It's even ongoing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's protest music and, and uh, but it's funk and dance music at the same time. So it's, uh, even though the chorus can't really be denied, impeach the president, the groove is incredible. And, you know, uh, John and Alan, John, my bass player, and our bass player and Alan, our drummer, just laid down the groove and it was just like fantastic. And it was just, the way the way we do things is like, uh, uh, we, I, I, I come in and suggest something or somebody else does. And we usually try it once and then we record it. So even if it's a cover, that's what we do. So, so yeah. funk, funk is a big influence. Yeah, uh, you know, as far as I mean, we want to nail genres, I guess. But I mean, it's funk is funk is a huge thing for for us. We all listen to tons of tons of funk music, and I mean, especially me, I, I do. But I can't pull it off as well as my drummer and my bass player. So, uh. <laughs> can, can yeah. I ask you, in terms of the relationship between music and activism and art and politics, um, do you have any advice? For artists who are starting out, who are trying to figure out the best way to continue practicing their art while getting a message across in terms of perhaps creating music or finding venues to play, what would you tell a, a young musician who, who wants to make a difference? Well, I think the best, the best advice in the world for anything is be yourself, mm -hmm. uh, you know, be true to yourself. And if you... You know, occasionally you'll hear somebody do a quote-unquote political song, and of course it's very easy right now, if you live in New York City, uh, in this area, to let's say uh, do an anti-Trump song or anti-whatever it is. That's easy to do mm. because you're, everyone kind of, we're in New York City. We're generally going to agree. Singing to the choir. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it tends to be something, someone, uh, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon, but you know, it's it's not necessarily always, you know, true to yourself to be writing a political song, let's say. Mm. Um, so you, you have to, I think it's true to yourself. I think that's the most important thing. And I think that, 
you know, I certainly have no formula for success because I've very successfully avoided it. Yeah. And it, it's actually been very much my plan. I've, I, I actually, it's not a joke. I've, I've, mm. uh, yeah. I've always said I don't want to make a living playing music. Okay, so just um, to go kind of with the Labor Day uh, yeah. celebration here um, and the idea of making a living and supporting oneself as an artist, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the idea that so many artists are kind of falling into a pattern of taking any gig and not insisting on being paid for it. What does that do for other artists who are trying to support themselves? How do you feel? I mean, I'm all for music being available and things being available for no cover charges and just accessible to everybody. But how, how do you feel about this sort of trend toward artists not insisting on being compensated and it's a huge trend it's yeah. it's what's happening in new york city right now uh it's what's happening in the country but i mean certainly in new york city i can speak to it too um uh, you know i think uh, well labor will speak in labor day terms uh i think all work has worth i think that um uh you know Let's put it this way. Sometimes sometimes there's not a salary in a place. I mean, I play at a place regularly where there's not a salary called LIC Bar over in Loyland City on Vernon Boulevard. Mm. I play there regularly, and um, there's no salary there. There's a bucket that goes around. Now, that same responsibility you would feel by paying, let's say, a cover charge to walk into somewhere, mm-hmm. you should also feel when you that, that bucket gets passed around. Mm. So basically, artists should try to support other artists and educate the community about the fact that, hey, if you're enjoying this music, you should show your enjoyment by helping to support And that should this. absolutely be happening. That's the main point here is that is that your your work has worth. And if you've enjoyed this show and you see somebody working up there, playing their songs or doing whatever they're doing, you're entertained in some manner or they're just working hard while you're having a beer, mm. you know. Throw them a few bucks. And I, I don't like the model, you know, but the models have changed in both commercial music, you know, selling it, and also in performance music. And uh, those things are a constant thing. Uh, but, yeah, work has worth. And all of us out there who are enjoying the fruits of that labor um, should be supporting it in some manner. Uh, from the artist's point of view, I would say that uh, you know you're going to play where you want, where you where you're comfortable playing, where you think it's working, where you think you have an audience. Sometimes a free place, you have more of an audience. So it's always a trade-off because sometimes you have a bunch of CDs or whatever you have, and uh, you'll play in a place for free in order to sell you know five or six records or CDs. Uh, yeah. So it's a trade-off. So you have to. Uh, decide on that but work has worth and your art is work one thread that i think is the individual responsibility to and the influence that they have on others you know when we talk about in the show we talk about the personal is political and how uh, our individual choices seem like they're isolated but actually they're very much in- interconnected yes and when we start to support the arts and we start to uh advocate for the arts artists and, and labor of artists then slowly slowly it has a ripple effect that more and more people will start to advocate for and and move for uh, the labor movement for artists, you know? Right. And I, I, I once again, though, it comes down to the commodity issue. And mm. and and 
when people are selling, let's say they're 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 you know giving their stuff away on Bandcamp and all those things, we give all of our stuff away. Mm. You know why we do? Because we don't have to make a living at it. Mm. But the the point is. When, when you start to give it away, you kind of lower the value of it, too. Mm. So it's a give and take. Uh, it's, it's pluses and minuses, I really should say, to to that formula. And we live in an era where the whole music industry has changed mm. over the past uh, 30 years. Uh, and and who is going to say, you know, you and I, Claire VJ, uh, you, and, you and I are, are going to say, well, you know, I can get this music for like, I can just listen to, I can just stream this. Why yeah. wouldn't I do that? I don't know these guys. Why wouldn't I just stream this? Mm-hmm. And we're all guilty of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't pay for every single thing. I try to actually, mm-hmm. but I don't want to pay for every single thing I listen to. But the art has value. Yeah. And um, if you're going to see a band, which I encourage all of you to do, you do live in New York City, one of the music capitals of the planet. And uh, to see all kinds of music, solo artists, bands, whatever it may be, and genres of every single type, you know, you don't have to travel very far no matter where you live in New York City Mm. to find something you love. I mean, we're right here in Brooklyn. There's no shortage. Um, To do that and not contribute in some manner, a couple of bucks, whatever it may be. If everyone did that, you'd help to support the artists and you help them be more creative and do things you're already enjoying. One humorous thing that happened to me the other day was that I linked my website to the Google Analytics uh-huh. and I found out uh, what the search terms were. Should that never people, do that. Yeah, I just was curious. <laughs> what you I was, And uh, one of them was free VJ. And uh, I didn't understand that for a moment. I was thinking to myself, God, everyone wants to get a VJ for free, you know? Like they don't want to. They want to, you know. Was it the letters? What is the what is the letters VJ? No, free and then VIJ. Your name? Yeah, okay. my name. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was thinking to myself. My first thought was, you know, VJs are giving them out for free, and then it took me a moment to think radio keywords. free, radio keywords, radio free, <laughs> and then VJ. But you know, this being radio free Brooklyn, you know, right. they put in free VJ. But I, I just funny like I'm, all these double entendres that could be like free mm. as in liberate or something like that is just. Hilarious how these mis- mistaken keywords. Hey, know? listen, Trump is trying to reign in Google, you know, yeah. so uh, to only uh, have good stories about him. So it'll be a very small, uh, <laughs> very small site. When yeah, <laughs> I just I just feel like uh, the, the natural reaction, the absurdism of the administration is to tune out and to fight against uh, just completely tuning out because, you know, we can't be neutral. Um, right. You can't be neutral in this other way. Take the side of the oppressor, you know. We have right. to make our voices heard and, and fight for those who are being marginalized. Yeah, Agreed. Apathy is the enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a such an important uh, note. And maybe we should do a, a song at this time. We're in about a halfway time. We can do a little bit of music and uh, do a little bit of... Would, would you like to play something? Uh, sure. What do, you, what do you want to hear, VJ? What do you like? Uh, uh, I really like New Dark Ages and from your album okay. uh, uh, that people can find on Bandcamp. Right, it's it's you can find it on Bandcamp. Just look up Rust Kickers. That's one word, and uh, Bandcamp, and you'll find it. Uh, and it's once again to be uh, to help bring down the uh, the work of all artists. We're giving it away, so it's there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can do this live, but we're going to find out. <clears throat> Usually, have a full band behind me for this. Uh-huh. Sort of a and and we talk about genres, and I don't know if this is going to come across, but we were very interested. I was very interested in playing some, uh, I was listening to a lot of salsa music at the time 
And um, so this kind of came out of that. It wasn't like I'm going to do a salsa song. But mm. it was like uh, um, just the influence of what I was listening to at the time. <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll try it <clears throat> at this time of the morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, New Dark Ages. wouldn't be the first time. So this is New Dark Ages Part 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
started Cut open all the flesh Find out where the heart is My pick grip is not that good this time of day. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You're welcome. So one thing I want to lead into a story that in our pre-questions you um, uh, revealed a little bit of. And uh, just to lean to that, I think the heart, finding out what the heart is, such an amazing refrain and uh, finding out our moral compass, finding out what's important to us. And you uh, revealed the story, a very pivotal moment in the second grade. Can you tell that story? Oh, yeah, yeah. see, now have... I forget what I answered. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-questions, I hate them. Yeah. Uh, Make it up as you go along. Yeah, you can just... Yeah, when I was in, when I was in second grade, um, uh, and I think this is uncommon in the world, this type of thing, but um, was a very life-changing story for me. And I, I, I uh, it's a very small story in terms of... Um, well, anyway, it's... Um, uh, I was I was part of a group of kids that picked on a girl in class in our grade. I'm not even sure if she was in my class that year, but she might have been in my class the year before. But she was like a girl that was picked on, and um, I. Uh, it's telling of a mob mentality, mm. and uh, it's the same kind of thing that happens. From everything from um, bullying in a classroom to 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 uh, anything from a gang rape to to a Trump rally, mm. it's a it's a mob mentality, mm. and I was part of that when I was in second grade, <clears throat> first grade and second grade with this one particular girl. It wasn't like an all-consuming thing with me, but it was something I was part of. And uh, we would just pick on this girl. We'd just make fun of her. And there was no reason to do that. It was just, and not that there would be a good reason for mm. a second grader to pick on another second grader, but there was real, it was just like a thing that happened. And uh, I was always uncomfortable with it then, and I remember it really distinctly. And one day, I was involved in a um, uh, some kind of early morning art class thing or something like preschool, you know, before school, uh, before class began. And so I was in I was in school and I was by myself and I said that and she was also involved in this thing and we were waiting outside of the classroom in the hallway I remember it distinctly in our elementary school and I did the same thing I did in the group with the group I said the same I don't even remember what it was but whatever insult uh, that we had been launching at her I also launched at her by myself and she wound up and clocked me. <laughs> I completely deserved it, you know? And it's something she couldn't do to a large group. But she took out exactly how she felt 100% correctly on me that day. And literally, I went to the nurse's office. I was crying and, you know, I'm <laughs> second grader. And uh, never thought she did anything wrong. I mean, even then, I wasn't like, she hit me, you know? Oh, my yeah. God. I was like... I have completely deserved this. Mm. And that was like a gargantuan life changer for me. And every time I see something like that, where a group, a mob, 
where people are picking on someone in in a serious fashion and with kids. I'm also, I work in a school district too. So I see it with kids, but it's much more concerning when you see it with adults, like at a Trump rally. Mm. Um, uh, that takes me back to that. And I put myself in that person's place because what I felt when I got punched that day was not so much the punch, but rather this girl's really hurt. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I felt that then as a second grader. And I said, I'm never going to do this again. So I spent, I would say, you know, so right through now, but all certainly all through school, saying, could we knock this off? You mm. know, let's not do this. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a big life changer. It sounds small, but no, it was a, it was a huge a, life it's changer. It's such a big thing. You know? Yeah. Bullying and um, social groups and children, teenagers and young adults, especially with social media, bullying has become a huge problem and something that translates directly into the everyday experience of being a human being. Yeah. Um, and I think with social media, it has lost its age group. You know, it, it has right. just blossomed into this horrible thing where mm. adults are... Presidents. Yeah. Uh, well, everybody, everybody who makes a comment without thinking about it, who takes the first thing that they see and and agree with as truth and starts to focus more on, on power than on truth. Mm. It becomes so easy to do that when our comments are just supported by other people who would rather rally than think. Yeah, one thing that right. one thought that came to my mind uh, last night as I was trying to fall asleep was uh, these all these random thoughts that come at one in the morning. And I've been reading this book, Sync, which is about how um, order emerges from chaos. Um, S-Y-N-C, like synchronous. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, so um, it talked about lightning bugs or uh, fireflies and uh, how they, they sync up. You know, they, they're able to blink at the same time. And they, science has been exploring how they do this, how they're capable of doing this. And they understand that... Um, the uh, firefly has an internal rhythm and then it responds to a nearby firefly and syncs itself with that nearby firefly. It's the theory that's presented in this book. Um, and I think that that can be translated in the connection with human beings, that we have this internal sense of right and wrong, but then we sync up with the communities and the, we have the echo, that echo chamber we hear about, bubbles, that we're syncing up with small micro-communities and, you know, we have a responsibility to be true to our internal rhythm, you know? But this can be a good yeah. thing, too. Yeah, it it doesn't, it's yeah. not just yeah. pain that spreads. And exactly. I think we can sometimes lose hope or feel overwhelmed by the things we see around us that are mm. negative, but we forget that we can blink positive. Exactly, too. exactly. We can well, change but, it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's the connection based on the positive rather than the negative. And, and uh, I think that's that's a good thing. But uh, I think it's very easy for, I mean, as I did in second grade, as adults do today, um, people sink into the negative all too often, unfortunately, and has such such huge repercussions in the world, interpersonal relationships, whatever it may be. And Can you talk, I was really uh, inspired by your focus on optimism mm. in terms of, um, in terms of those questions we asked you before yeah. but there were a few where where you responded with uh the idea of optimism as its own thing but also actively 
not being negative, I guess. Mm. So getting rid of the half glass empty, not just being neutral about it. Mm. Well, I think that that's, that's, uh, you can, we can speak completely selfishly and, and, and say that that's, 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 uh, allows you to be creative, that allows you to do things. We're not even talking about good in the world. Forget about that for one second. And, mm. uh, but as, as far as your own personal um, uh, uh, growth and your own personal uh, enjoyment of life, why be miserable? You know, mm. I mean, it's a simple thing, really. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the more positive you can be, um, the better you feel. Mm. So that's the selfish aspect of it. The the bigger aspect is the fact that it makes everybody else feel better. Yeah, you know, doing some good in the world is is a good thing, and and looking for a positive. You can all, people also do good in the world and are very negative. You know, people are very angry, mm. and so people attempt to do good in the world, and they can be doing that, and that's that's great. We need anger. Anger is a weapon, as 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 people have said. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's got to be something where you, uh, positivism, optimism, I don't know what anybody wants to call it, but, uh, uh, is, is, is a mental health issue mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it keeps you grounded and healthy and it allows you to do things. I mean, we can look at the world and we can be completely debilitated by it. Mm-hmm. You can look out there and see what's happening in the world politically. You can look at uh, the streets of New York City. You can look at anywhere and get very depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or you can see the positive things that are being done, the positive things that you can do, the positive things that the people that uh, you know uh, are on the street or whatever the case is, the positive things in their lives, you know, all these kinds of things. You can see these things. And, and to have an outlook that that's uh, a little more optimistic is something to strive for. It's good for your own mental health and it's good for the world. So regular listen- listeners of the show will know that I've, um, I'm very much in the Buddhist philosophy and I've interviewed a lot of Buddhist teachers, I've interviewed Buddhist poets. And one of the tensions in, um, in Buddhism for me, or the, my take on it, is that, you know, you're talking about selfishness and, you know, uh, I think that um, it's in our self-interest to be compassionate. And uh, I would uh, kind of uh, put in those terms that we, when we um, acknowledge that the um, everyone else is infinite, there's infinite living beings out there, and we're just one person that doesn't really even exist, actually. We're just an illusion in this net of different identities. And we realize that higher truth, then we can um, empower ourselves. We can feel that meaning and power in our in our life and become more and more of a, a, a amazing presence in this world, you know? I agree. And, and our connections are, are really important. And yeah. I'm not particularly a, a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've studied Buddhism and I've, I've been in uh, various places and I'm familiar with lots of different philosophies just in general. I was yeah. with someone just last night, as a matter of fact, who um, was talking about how... Uh, 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 they were. Um, uh, uh, they knew someone who was walking down the street one day, <clears throat> and they had known this particular guru actually. Mm-hmm. And um, but they were walking down the street one day, and they had sort of a sort of a um, 
a moment of enlightenment directly in front of the New York Public Library, as a matter of fact. Good place for enlightenment. Yeah. There you go. They weren't in there. They were walking by it. But I guess maybe the inspiration of the building, uh, the main branch there is quite incredible. Um, I don't know what it was. And they they felt like they froze for more than a minute, which they obviously didn't do. But uh, they felt that way. And they felt like they could see um, like sort of like beams of light that went out to every individual, not just from them, but to, from all of them to each other, like shooting out. Mm. And it was a moment of realization of the connectivity of all of us and how um, spiritually or not, uh, we're all connected. And and uh, we're all connected by a mutual interest of taking care of each other. And and um, it's it's a it can be a selfish thing taking care of each other, but that's in our in our in our in our uh, in our genes, you know, and it ties directly to Labor Day. Yeah, yeah. in terms right. of collaboration, um, and I think what we were talking about before with being paid as musicians, there's also the option of collaborating with other individuals who are trying to start something. You know, I can support you, and I can play here, and it's going to help you get business. It's going to help me get recognition. Um, but there are all different ways to collaborate. And I think it can be difficult because it does take extra effort to start a collaboration. Mm. It takes networking and it takes energy that I think a lot of artists feel they don't have. But the importance of it to be connected to other artists and to realize that success is not a zero-sum game. Yeah, Correct. Well, it's it's like in the in the world of music, it's the creativity factor that interests me, and the collaboration factor. I, I usually don't like playing "quote unquote" by myself. I like playing with other musicians because it brings out other things. I like playing with people I've never played with before. That's always an adventure, and that's that connection of human beings and helping each other too. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's something I uh, I relish. I we did a thing last. Well, two years ago, last year, two years ago. Anyway, we did this uh, experimental recording of of um, of uh, improvisation, and it was just guitar players improvising, not in a jazz way, but rather in a uh, kind of like uh, uh, ambient kind of noise way. And uh, I had it was three core people starting these drones and all these things, and I would have people I never played with before come up and play with us. And so that collaborative effort, that human connection that binds us all uh, was happening there. And and um, it's just a, uh, that's something we have to remember on Labor Day too, because we're all in this together. Yeah. That also um, on an artistic level is interesting because it, it sort of reminds us that the process of creation is just as important as the product that the, in writing the draft, the uh, process of drafting and writing itself is part of the goal, the mm. aim. And I I love the idea of creating music for the sake of the experience and taking the risk of not knowing what it's going to sound like and who knows what's mm. going to happen and who knows how these things are going to fit together. But seeing that as a fun adventure rather than this might never get recorded. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that is actually the most important part about music to me. It's, it's the making of it. Um, it's like, well, you know, you put out a record or whatever. And years ago, I've been in bands that, you know, put out a whole bunch of stuff. But this this particular uh, thing with, with Finn and his Rust Kickers uh, has just been uh, a thing where we go into a recording space. And uh, 
I usually come in with a very general sketch and we'll, I'll play it for the rest of the band or they'll play me, some, you know, whatever the case may be. And um, we'll, we'll very briefly flesh it out. N- nothing, it doesn't become codified. It doesn't become a, a, a thing that we do until after it's recorded. And then we have to relearn it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, oh, we have to play this song now. But I mean, it's it's this exp- the experience of the creation of it is w- as a team mm-hmm. is what really as as fellow humans is what really makes it interesting. I really like the idea with collaboration, how what it awakens in you and your process. Like other people, you see other people as being out there and you know being separate from you, but actually they kind of awaken some part of yourself that. Um, they resonate with and you're able to, you know, talking about self-interest and, and you know, this term selfishness has such a negative connotation. Yeah. Self-interest I like better yes, because we, we have a limited to, you know, our bodies, our minds, but we can understand how that connects to the whole and, uh, being and able contributes. To feel like, yeah, and contributes to the whole that we're not separate on some level. It's a very uh, dualistic idea. But the point is, um, you know, uh, what I was trying to say was that, um, yeah, how, how collaboration can awaken in us potentialities and um Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like the language in your website. It says, um, uh, you know, it's, it's Rust Kickers found in 2014, originally intended to be one-off gig between old friends, and it quickly evolved into a genuine creative outlet. And right. I love that. It really captures what you were saying just now about how, um, and I, I like this one as well, as well as an opportunity to make some noise. You know, I like that. Yeah, I really love that. <laughs> we got to make noise. Yeah. yeah. We all have to make some noise in the yeah. world, whether it be musically or or artistically or hoisting a beer somewhere with friends mm. or whatever it may be. But yeah, that, and that was a big factor with us. We, we got together because a friend of ours uh, who runs LIC Bar, as a matter of fact, mm. books that uh, was talking to me and said, you have to play here. And I was like, I'm not in a band anymore. I don't want to do that. And no. Anyway, through a long story, I eventually said yes. And, and I wanted to play only with people I had never played with before who were friends of mine. And, um, or I vaguely knew that was, that was once again, the creative process. Right. And, and, uh, and, uh, I played with a, a Bill Hafner, who's our guitar player. I had never played with before, but I knew for very many years. We were in the same bands at different times when we were kids, you know, and stuff. But um, I always admired his playing, and he always admired my stuff. And um, so I asked him to play, and, and then I was going to get two other guys who were uh, I'd never played with. And then I got, he said to me, so why don't we just play with two guys we absolutely love? Mm-hmm. And that was John Borkhardt and Alan Criscolo. And we just, we, I said, well, let's see. what It's only going to be for one gig, one time. And um, we got together, we sat down for a rehearsal, we played the songs that we had in common first, you know, and then I said, well, let's write some songs too. So we banged them out and it was just like this magical, it was really magical. I mean, it's not necessarily magical for everyone who hears us, (laughs) but it was magical for us and that's all that really matters, you know? We had, we we felt that um, it was just... It was something we we could do, and then we did this one gig, and then afterwards I met them because I framed the posters from the gig for them as kind mm-hmm. of a memory thing, you know. And it was a packed out show and all this stuff. It was really nice, and um, I I gave them the posters, and they're like, "What do you mean we're not playing anymore?" <laughs> so well, we're, yeah. no, <laughs> I said, and they said we have to. Yeah. This was too fun, yeah. you know? and this was too much of a connection, and this was too much of a collaborative effort that we just locked in together at common interest once again labor day uh and 
and we did it. So great to hear about the joy because joy in everything. We should bring that joy to all of our processes and find the joy, chase that joy, and continue to do that. And uh, one thing that's interesting to me, the rust kickers, the term rust kickers. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit how you came up with that. Uh, well, I didn't. I had nothing. Here. I yeah. had nothing to do with it. My guitar player. But I had. I had. Uh, when I was suggesting that we. Um, that we get together and do this one gig. Mm-hmm. I had said that, uh, you know, let's, let's, you know, we all of, only one of us had been playing, you know, I hadn't played in a long time, but only one of us had been actively playing. And, um, the, uh, 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 I said, I said, you know, let's, let's kick the rust off and see what happens. And so my guitar <laughs> player said, it's the rust kickers. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. it's pretty simple. Yeah. It's funny how like, uh, sometimes little and I hated things, it. Yeah. Something I little still things hate like it. ring with you. Yeah. You don't like it? Uh, no, I, I don't. like it. I it. It's grown yeah. on me. Yeah. But, uh, I, I'm still like the rust kickers. What's that? I hate that. I would never name a band that, but there you go. That's collaborative effort. We all have to sacrifice for the collaboration. <laughs> Good, good. Well, the name seems to be working for you guys. So. It is. It is. It's a lot of fun. And, and, and that's the main thing is that we have a lot of fun. Uh, we have people that come to see us all the time, which I'm shocked at. Uh, and and uh, very full houses. Uh, and uh, it's nice. It's fun. We just have a blast. Well, I think it was really interesting to hear you say, um, oh, we do this. We get together. We love it. Even if the listeners don't. Um, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Uh, and Good to talk about since you do have lots of people who come here you play. So, but I feel like there's sort of an apathy in audiences sometimes too when mm. people sit down and hear music or listen to poetry, kind of listening for how polished something sounds or yeah. coming huh. in with expectations or something like that. When as an audience member, there's so much beauty to see something being worked out as mm. it's happening. And to look and just see the artistic drive behind whatever is happening in, in the moment instead of saying, oh, I liked that song and this song and this song to kind of just see the whole experience, like yeah. the work that a, a consumer of art. Yeah. Well, I think I think do. that the listening experience these days is a, is a, is a different game. It's it's uh, something where you do expect something to be exactly as you've heard it. I mean, mm. obviously. And uh and, uh, you know, it's kind of the life gets taken out of it in a certain degree. Creative force gets taken out of it. But I mean, I think there's plenty of people that do listen to it for creativity and spontaneity and all that. But yeah, I think, I think, um, uh, audiences in general, you know, they're just used to hearing what they can hear on their Spotify or whatever they yeah. hear it on. And, uh, so when they see something live, they're like, this doesn't sound like the record. You know? Yeah. And we actually, we actually, are constantly reworking songs. We mm. we get bored very quickly, and um, so it's like even New Dark Ages we've reworked pretty drastically, mm. and uh, live. And um, we do that all the time. You know, a song that was uh, you know a country song one week is a ska song the next week. So, mm-hmm. you know. so one thing that um, you know is very much a, a pet peeve of mine, or it's something that kind of angers me is the idea of the consumer mentality just going along with that is that um, in all things we become, we think we're an expert. Mm. And the more we become an expert <laughs> on things, the less we enjoy the, the piece or, the, or anything in life. We think, you know, things should be a certain way. We're so experienced. We're so knowledgeable. And it just really, you know, I think approaching things with a beginner's mind always, no matter how many, it helps so much with the enjoyment. You know, you're able to be alive in the moment and not have these rigid 
Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, as as a musician for many years and all the stuff, you know, plenty of people who are like, there's plenty of musicians out there who mm. are who are, well, oh, that guitar player, he's not good, you yeah. know, or that I could do that, yeah. or I could do that better. Why didn't you do this? Mm. Whatever the case is, um, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone's everyone's an expert. You're exactly right. Mm. Everyone knows better. I was at a, I was once again, I was upstate yesterday, and there was some guy trying, and it was very very windy on the Hudson River yesterday, and and uh, this guy was trying to. Uh, to uh, bring his sailboat up to a dock. I don't even know what the terms are because I'm not a, nothing to do with boats. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's trying to he's trying to park the boat. You know, yeah, and uh, makes sense to me. They, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> See, now we're on the same page. Uh, and he's having a lot of trouble because of the wind. Now, obviously, his sails are in. He's under motor power, but still, the wind was incredible at that particular moment yesterday. And there's these guys. Have, you know, we're we're at a we're at a bar. On a, at a dock, you know, so we're just watching the water, the boats. But there's another table where this guy's like, and this guy has maybe been on, he got the sense that he's been on a boat a few times, but everyone's an expert. Hmm. Look yeah. at this idiot. He can't pull this thing up, you know, and and everyone's an expert and everyone's a critic. And yeah. instead of just enjoying and living in the moment mm. uh, and experiencing uh, the process, um or going you know, out and helping the guy get the boat yeah. in. There's That's another idiot. This option. guy knew so much, why wasn't he out there? <laughs> I see, I would have gone out there, except I would have been like, I would have been, I probably would have sunk the boat. But, uh, you know, I would have been no help to the guy. Yeah. But, um, there were other people out there actually helping but these guys sitting at the table drinking beers, like, oh, look at this guy. And that's that's what happens with music too. Sometimes you see that in 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 places where you play, where people are, you know, critical. And you have to tell you, you know, who most of those people are. Most of those people are not New Yorkers. <laughs> they're usually from Long Island or they're from somewhere else. You know, not to knock Long Islanders, but we're in Brooklyn here, so I'm safe, I think. But. Uh, but New York, New York audiences, people who come out to see music, tend to be extremely responsive and, and do listen. You know, yeah. that's a good note to uh, start to wrap up on. I sure. wanted to, uh, you know, implore uh, listeners as you're talking a little bit about um, the Labor Day and such, and um, the uh, labor we put into the show. So I want to have people uh, right. definitely uh, consider doing a donation to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform for our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Uh, so if you'd like to support our mission, you can continue bringing quality community radio. We invite you to make a donation to radioforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Um, also, uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is trying to get to Austin to present at South by Southwest in 2019. Mm. So please help. Uh, we're asking for help from our community of listeners. So you can go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash SXSW, which is the abbreviation for South by Southwest, and just you know quickly vote, upvote uh, Ready for Brooklyn. Um, finally, uh, teen after school program. Uh, Ready for Brooklyn is proud to announce that we've been partially funded to start an after school program for local teens. And the grant only pays for um, so much, so we're looking to get uh, additional funds to be able to help uh, the next generation express and learn themselves through media and uh, learning hands-on approach to uh, journalism. So go to readyforbrooklyn.org slash after school. Um, so a few more minutes. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, any other closing thoughts? Claire? Well, yeah. um, I 
think that it would be great for everybody to choose one creative or inspirational thing today that they could do uh, with somebody in their community, whatever that means. Um, a lot a lot of people have the day off. And I don't know if you're like me, that involves lots and lots of sleeping usually. But <laughs> maybe if you've been if you've already put in an hour of your day to listen to us talk about creativity, maybe it would be a good day to start a creative project yourself. Good plan. And, and I would say that let's remember Labor Day. And Labor Day, of course, uh, this first Monday in September is is created sort of as a diversion by the United States Congress because it's May Day everywhere else in the world, mm-hmm. May 1st. Um, however, you know, it's not just about barbecues and a day off. You have to remember people have died for your rights to uh, a five, you know, 40-hour work week and vacations and all those things. And, and don't let people take these things away in one fell swoop. Let, you know, remember, remember your history. Remember what you have has been fought and died for in many cases, and don't take it for granted. Yeah, I mean, I think that remembering our interconnectivity, as we've been talking about this mm-hmm. whole show, remember that we're part of the community, that being active uh, participant, and that'll give us the joy of fully realizing our own ambitions or fully realizing our own life and our meaning, our meaning of, lo- of our life and be able to get a more fulfilled experience, find that joy, and that only comes from that really comes from that support of our community, you know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Want to go out with a song? Yeah. This is our, this is our most recent single off of our, our, our new album is called, uh, leave you nothing to squander. And it's, you can stream it. Uh, you can pick up a vinyl copy. You can do any of that stuff. Just look up Russ kickers Bandcamp. but this is uh, a, a vinyl single. Uh, and it's about William Blake, uh, the visionary poet, and uh, about his first vision and uh, his effect on it. It's called On Peckham Rye. And this is also available on vinyl. Well, it's rare that I've found myself fumbling for words Though it seems they've gone out for the paper And I seek insurrection just beyond the next curve an excuse for some moribund caper Now the dark it comes down and the hammer it rings smothering songs like a viper And I still hear that swatter Oh Lord, could it swing through a curse down on all passing pipers Well you left me a 